Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I am here with the heartthrob we know as Nick. Well, you know what they say, when God gives you a gift, you have to use it. <laughs> well, I'm trying to I'm trying to up the volume a little bit today because I know neither of us are caffeinated. No one has had coffee this morning, so I'm going to start with apologizing to everybody who's listening. Yeah, it's it's wise choice. It is very 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 true. Neither one of neither one of us have had any caffeine. Yeah, I'm I'm dragging. I'm tired. I've been up for a while, but I just can't seem to get my uh, my gears to turn. Yeah, it's one of those things where, of course, here I am, last second, contacting Nick, going, when can we record? And the options were right now or right before that has to be released. So we had to, like, scramble to get everybody situated, get the show together. So I apologize. I have not had coffee. So I'm going to have to tr- – this is me being trying to be over the top. That's you trying to be over the top. Uh, <laughs> if you guys want me to, I can go fake over the top. I sound like a game show host. <laughs> I have to tell you, Jamie's out of town. She went to a wedding in Arkansas. And so it's just me, Addison, and Aiden, which usually means just me and Addison because Aiden's working or playing basketball. He's a teenager, so he's almost like a ghost in the house. You don't really see them. All of a sudden, I come into the house. Jamie had, before she left, she was cleaning frantically, trying to get this smell that she could not find out of the house. Mm -hmm. Well, after she left, we had a nice warm day ish here okay. in Michigan. And I have defined what I believe that smell is. Okay. I believe one of the cats have caught a field mouse and stashed them somewhere in the house. Really? Because we have crawl spaces in the basement and stuff. I'm pretty sure what is down there is a uh, corpse starting to smell up the house. That's possible. Um, it, it, it happens here probably once or twice a year where um, a mouse will get in and either one of the dogs will kill it or it just dies of you know natural causes and then you start hunting around for that smell because it's horrible. Yeah, it's um, it is terrible actually. So we've been trying to find it and thus far to no avail. So the house stinks. That's gross. Um, it is. Remind me, not, remind me to wear a gas mask when I come over. That's nasty. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not sure why I've decided to make this a public statement, but it's driving me bonkers uh, as I'm trying to clean up and move things around. You know, Jamie comes home tomorrow. I'm trying to make it nice for when she comes back, except for the decomposing body somewhere in our home. Yeah, that's gross. It is really nasty. Is it strong? Mm, to me, it is. Aiden says he didn't notice when he walked in, but uh, he's a teenager, so he, he doesn't notice much of anything other than food and and yeah. basketball. Yeah, I, I have two of them, I know. And you can run around with all the Scentsy candles and turn them all on, but then you just end up with, like, cinnamon-smelled corpse. That's not better. No, it's not. <laughs> so, tonight, once I'm done working, I will be back on the hunt looking for whatever has passed and is making that smell unpleasant. Now, oddly enough, I have a lead into the show talking really? about that. Because, yes... <laughs> Think about this. If you had a tiny house, it would be way easier to find. It's, it's, it, I, I don't know if I agree with that. In theory, it would be, but I think that you're underestimating the ability of people to add shelving and storage units in tiny little houses. Well, I'm, I'm, I was thinking of just basically under the building, at least. Like it, when... Well, you could pick it up and look. Just go, whoop. <laughs> So, well, that would be too tiny. I don't think anything I could pick up and look could hold me. But this week, I want to talk and build off of some of our earlier 
seasons about tiny houses. We talked about the freedoms and all these things that are that come with tiny houses. Anybody who knows me that if I have nothing else to watch, I have learned that on my television, if with Roku, it takes the local stations and adds all the digital stations like it's one big cable thing. Yeah. And there is a tiny house station. That's all it does. Okay. It plays Tiny House Nation and Tiny House Hunters. That is it. So like a Bob Vila version, like build the shoebox? Yeah, it's uh it's one station dedicated to just Tiny House. Okay. I mean, I guess there'd be enough content you could create to make a whole TV station of. I don't it'd be cute if it was themed, it was like tiny episodes or everything was five minutes long. <laughs> no, it's well, it's Tiny House Nation. There's like three or four shows that the same people do. And one of mm-hmm. them is Tiny House Hunters. So Addison now, every time she wants to sit and watch tiny houses and we talk about designs, because Jamie and I were looking for land here locally and wanting to build the first our first tiny house. If we're gonna retire in tiny houses later or a tiny house later let's get a few out there let's try a few things we can leave, mm-hmm. you know we can do we can try things use it when family comes to town they can stay in it we can airbnb it for because it's we we live in a town with an amtrak station people use the hotels for for that during the festivals when people come into town they could they could airbnb it so the concept was I want to build the first one and see what it's like mm-hmm. and get a feel for it. That is much harder than it sounds. It doesn't sound easy. That's something that like when you said this is what we're going to talk about, like I don't think that making it smaller makes it simpler. I think your ability to put less crap in it because there is less space to store things will eventually lead you to a simpler life. But like it still has everything a house has. I mean, it still has all the plumbing, electricity and everything else you're going to need. So I don't don't imagine it being simpler or easier. Well, and we tried a couple of different things. It wasn't just, okay, we're going to build a tiny house. The first thing I looked at was, could I move a train car or train caboose into town on the property and turn that into a tiny house? Because for those of you who don't know about Durand, we're one of the last few communities who really embrace trains. You're cute that you think you're one of the last ones. It's not true. Not even close. That embrace trains, really? Owasso's right next door. Oh, I didn't know that was a train place. Where's the Polar Express? In case anybody's wondering, he's giving me these looks like his disbelief right now. Just so we're clear, Owasso has the same amount, if not more, sets of tracks than Durand, and it's bigger than Durand, (laughs) and they have the Polar Express in in Owasso. Yeah, people like it just a little bit. Okay. A little bit. Well, uh, so I thought maybe... Buying one of these old units, bringing it in, setting it on the space, and using that to create a tiny house would be a pretty cool idea. Sounds like a very expensive idea. That is a shockingly expensive idea. Just to move a train car to a piece of land is a ton of money. Not to count so, the fact that it's going to sink. My my initial ignorant thoughts on this would be one: most train companies don't like selling those things because they don't really they don't really go bad. I mean, they haven't really changed the technology on those things in how many decades? Like they they use the same cars they built. 50 60 years ago it's not like it changes very often second thing they're ungodly heavy like they they are not light at all the wheels on them alone probably weigh hundreds of pounds yeah the third thing would be how what would you like get a fork truck if you can find one strong enough and pick it up and put it on a trailer and then how does that even work it doesn't have a motor a crane it's okay crane they have to cr- have to crane it onto some onto uh, usually onto another train or something to get it close and then move it from there but just the kind 
concept of having a ground space strong enough for it to sit on, which means an extremely thick uh, cement slab or yeah, yeah uh, is all in itself a problem. So that quickly went away because what we did find, we found a caboose that they wanted, that the people wanted $15,000 for, but it would cost more than triple of that to get it here and put it on the space. Where was it located? That one was in Indiana. Yeah, I would say it cost $45,000 to get it to you? And get it in place, yep. That's eh, a little outlandish, but okay. Then we found a, well, I, I always say it looks like a Greyhound bus, but it, it's a uh, tra- like a big silver stainless steel passenger car mm-hmm. and they only and they only wanted ten thousand dollars but it's twice as long mm-hmm. and probably and was, twice as heavy <laughs> it was gonna be very very expensive to bring onto the property so that quickly went away that was no longer a thought unless a train accidentally stopped on the property and unhooked there was no way of getting something like that with our our finances at least to I, make I, it I want and I want to note that if it actually stops on the property, <laughs> that is, in all, in all intents and purposes, a train crash. So right. <laughs> um, I've always thought that they were really cool concepts. And I do. I We have the one here in Montrose that started off as a caboose and then you know they turned into an ice cream shop that they called the caboose. And now it's like a full-fledged ice cream store that you would never know it used to be a trailer. But it was. I think they're really nifty. I, I think, and if you were trying to look for something that was structurally really strong to build a house in, I think it's a great option. I just don't think that it'd be economically wise to try to move it off the tracks. And whenever you get it someplace, you're not moving it again. I mean, it's stuck there. So So that quickly, that was no longer part of my concept. I could probably do it with a bus or something like that. Mm -hmm. But then then it was okay. There are tons of places because tiny houses is kind of boomed after 2015. They started to go up and up and up in sales, and now there's several builders. We have them here in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, shoot, they've got preset designs, something that they, when you buy, they put on your land. Then I only have to connect to the city water and sewer and do a few other things. That wouldn't be half bad either. Welcome to the world of manufactured housing. Kind of. Yeah, it really is. And it's just on a trailer that's smaller than the manufactured houses where they quite often have to bring them over in two pieces or one big trailer. <laughs> you, might as well just, you might as well just buy a trailer from a trailer park and move it to your land. I well, mean... so, well, first of all, I don't have land. So I started looking at, okay. And the first thing I found when I was, uh, and I, Oh, I gotta, I'm going to be that old guy. Who's like, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, uh, not even a kid, when I was a functioning a reasonably functioning adult. Most land was about a thousand dollars an acre, rural land. In our rural community here, you can't get an acre under fifteen thousand dollars. Just hilarious since you're surrounded by farm farmland that doesn't get farmed. So yeah, empty. you would think that that would be it'd be pretty easy to get a couple of acres at a reasonable price. Well, Jameson's family bought several acres here in town, spent a significant amount, I believe, but and then found out that you couldn't use it because it didn't have access. There's massive ditches all the way around it, and you have to put in the big culvert and a new driveway. And from the research and the people they've spoke to, it's anywhere between twenty and Twenty and thirty thousand dollars just to put the driveway in, and okay. so the, now they have all this land that the only way to access it is through someone else's property. That's and, always fun. And and if I remember correctly, they still spent you know fifteen twenty thousand dollars. I could be wrong, but I think it was somewhere in that window. So that's problem A: is that the whole concept of going tiny is to reduce the cost. 
and to keep things inexpensive. So it to me, it was the expense was going to be hooking up to the city water and sewer, and that's not even the major expense anymore. Now, land is quite a bit higher. Mm -hmm. So setting that aside, I was thinking, well, we'll find a place. Let's go and just price out these pre-designed homes. Mm -hmm. Oh, my. (laughs) Uh, That's hilarious. Keep going. Oh, wow. Pre-designed homes. Any of them that are not. Okay, so the the tiniest of trailers, those 150 square foot ones, Mm -hmm. those are still what you would call semi-affordable. But most of the ones I was looking at were the two... 285 350 range for square mm-hmm. footage and the prices i found were anywhere between 60,000 yep that's where i'm starting i saw some as high as $100,000 yep that is not more affordable and that okay. drove me nuts because the whole concept of tiny living is to have this smaller cost smaller space so that you can go live and instead it is now $100,000 so there are two ways to look at this, and I'm going to tackle both. At least two ways that I see it. One is the the misnomer that it's it's more affordable or that it's 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 cheaper. It's not. When people when people say that, what they really mean is they want cities to put in tiny houses, tiny homes for the less fortunate and for people that are in rehab or people that are homeless have a place to live because that at that point it removes the whole premise of buying land and having to do any of the work. They want the city to do it, so they 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 paint this picture of being cheap and affordable it it technically is if you compare it to building like a brand new house the other part of it is that a lot of the the more i'm going to say romanticized tiny home stories are ones that people built them themselves and they 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 took a storage like one of those big metal container storage units or they took a bus and they they built a house out of it and they made this precious little adorable thing and people fall in love with that and that's great when you're doing it you're you're doing it yourself with things you found you know you're you're being i want to i almost said resourceful but recycling things into making other uses form it's awesome but when you talk about an industry where they have found this niche market where people will pay outlandish money for tiny houses, it's the best way to put it is if someone is going to pay the bill, someone is going to write the bill. If someone's going if, if, if there's an industry of people spending the money, people generally that have too much money, then they're going to, they're going to build it. It sucks how expensive they are. When you said the words a hundred thousand dollars, I cried on the inside. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I, let me go back a little bit. Climate of where you live matters because so some of the states with the highest number of tiny house registrations are warm climates, which means you could quite literally buy the Home Depot shed, put in some climate control, some and a few other pieces, and have a tiny house for well under twenty thousand dollars. Not in Michigan, but not in Michigan, and that's where I want to I want to clarify that because I guarantee you we have a listener somewhere going, dude, I did one for ten, you know. So Florida, Texas, Southern California. These are all places where where they're seeing large booms for tiny houses. Those are more those are more those climates cater better. North Carolina is another one where they're seeing a bunch. Yeah, there's no cold. It's easy to live in a place you don't have to worry about not freezing to death. Also, piping, plumbing, that's really easy until you have ice. Then it's an issue. Right. So I want to make sure I say that because I always forget that the world doesn't live in our backyard. Because <laughs> I'm always talking about us and where we're at and not always including everybody else. So I'm sure there are places in the southern United States where there is more affordable tiny housing. Or you can buy brand new, even more affordable. But here in Michigan, 
I was really shocked by the kind of pricing I was seeing because I really did expect the real nice ones being 30000 not 100000 See, I, I wish I could say that I, I agreed. I mean, I knew they'd be expensive, but I can't help remember the fact that I this year I bought a old consumer's energy office trailer. Now, this office trailer is maybe seven foot by... 12 give or take it's wired for power it has a a window air conditioner unit in it that will i mean it's a huge air conditioner so if i ever actually hooked it up to power it'd probably freeze me out in the dilapidated shape i bought it for like essentially a storage container but in the terrible shape it's in falling apart i spent three grand so Mm -hmm. like i can only imagine what something that size that's actually built for someone to live in and brand new would cost like i thought maybe a 30 or forty thousand dollar budget would allow you to get something reasonably nice actually i consider i I figured it would be nice onto a small piece of land and have it connected to all the city sewer and water that way not only could jamie and i utilize it utilize it for family that comes into town but again the other concept was airbnb it for now it would give us the experience of having one put in and learning all the rules Mm -hmm. and because if a matter of fact, if I had a larger piece of land, I kind of want to just keep putting another one next to it, another one next to it and keep trying different things and create this little community uh, if I, you know, just to have it because Duran does need more housing. Mm-hmm. But the cost of that was astounding. And I don't know if it's because of popularity. I don't know if it's because materials are high right now, but it didn't seem like those prices all of a sudden went up. That website seemed to have like that is the pricing that's been there for some time. It's probably like most things in life. It's a perfect storm of little things. You know, you have one hand, depending on your area, the market, if people have the money and and you have to keep in mind, when I say something is a niche market, what I really mean is that when something is new and it it still has that shine to it, people with money, and I don't mean, I mean, lots of money. Well, there's always going to be someone that goes, oh, I want to do that. And they don't think that they just write the check and whatever much it costs, they're going to do it. Somewhere in this world, probably multiple places in this country, there are seven figure income people living in tiny homes i don't doubt it but the fact that they're willing to spend that kind of money enforces the pricing these people are charging and I, materials i'm sure have gone up everything's gone up right now but i do think that the prices are a little outlandish for what you're getting and i do think that if you're going to spend you know 80 90 100 000, you should at least have a house on some land and not that a tiny home is bad i'm not saying it is but like it's very unique in itself it's cute it's catchy but it's only only useful for a certain p- period of your life and for like you and jamie it would be essentially retirement mm-hmm. you're not going to move two kids in there and two cats and a dog like that's not going to happen no so like you're either if if you're single and you have no people living with you it's great and if you're you know at the end of like your working years and the rest of your family's moved on and living their lives it's great but for a huge chunk of the middle of your life it's pretty redundant yeah well at least for for where i'm at right now Mm -hmm. now i could i could have one just as easily parked outside the back door and dabble and for those weeks that i'm constantly here have a bed to lay in but i also live three blocks from here so it's really easy to go home (laughs) but the whole idea was i wanted to get to learn this stuff i wanted to start start going through those steps because we do we plan on retiring in one what do you okay he's giving me that he's thinking it through look yeah i just had this epiphany that made me feel like an idiot hmm. we're sitting about how expensive tiny homes are how much did you spend in your camper oh yeah i think jamie spent sixteen thousand dollars on her camper and okay and look how flashy that darn thing is 
It's a pretty camper. It's got bells, whistles. It's got, it's where you got, I mean, it's, it's literally a house on wheels. Like in tiny homes are more expensive than that. And they get a third of what you get. I would hope that they're made more durable because campers aren't. But I I understand that. But we were just talking about people in tiny homes having a Home Depot shed. So I, I I don't think they are. That's That was, that was the brain where my brain went. I was like, wait, hold on. We're talking about campers. Campers are tiny homes. Like, and they're super expensive. All right, go on. Well, and ours is very basic. We do not have as many bells and whistles as you may you may think there's it is shelter with a refrigerator a small kitchen and a bathroom we don't use define tiny home again yeah (laughs) yes yes the i would hope in a tiny home for us it would have to be made more sturdily i there's no way i can live the camper feels like balsa wood every time i touch things so i spend most oh. of my time outside of it we are kind of like bulls in the china shop Nazarians don't do well with like well we're just gonna say wicker right so the goal was is that when jamie builds things she makes them stout she just turned the the poles going to the upstairs of the of the deck into a play area for the kids and probably has a thousand dollars worth of wood in there like it, it if a hurricane, hurricane, if a tornado comes through, the only thing that's going to be standing is my deck and those stairs. <laughs> the house is going to be gone. So if, if she was helping on the inside or building too, it would be much more sturdy. But I don't know. I guess I was more shocked than anything because I was hoping that it was something that would be more affordable, something that I could build, maybe even put a renter in, build another one and just keep doing that to get a good idea. I wanted to you know, start doing solar panels and things that I understand. But you you can't even get started even reasonably the only way you would have to do it is to build it yourself and materials these days i think you're going to still be in the 30s 40 thousand dollars well i and i don't doubt it and i think that's kind of where i was going with that is that you still have to do everything you have to do in a regular house just on a smaller scale so for some things, the the plumbing and the electrical, you know, if you're going to put a furnace and air conditioner, that kind of stuff, you're going to work it into the design. Takes a little more tech, like technical know-how and I guess I'm going to say spatial awareness, savviness, like how to fit that stuff all in there. And so it, people are going to charge for it. So you're going to have this guy, assuming you don't have it planned out yourself, some guy is going to charge you to draw blueprints and design it. Then you're going to have another contractor, if he's not the same guy, that's going to have to do all the work. Like people want to be compensated for the time. It's not going to be cheap. And that's before you even get to materials right well then there's other things like in durand you can't just buy a city lot and put a tiny house on it you have a square foot rules you can't have a house smaller than this within the city limits and if i remember correctly it's significant like a thousand square foot uh i don't I, I'm torn on this, Michael. I don't like houses in city limits that much. I think it's, I, I mean, I understand people are going to hear me say that and they're going to, there's going to be a riot in the street, but I think cities are for business. Cities are for commerce. That's what a city's for. I don't think that and if there is housing in cities, there should be apartment buildings. I, I don't think you should have, boom, this beautiful city right in the middle of it, the mayor's house with 20 acres. Like, I don't, doesn't make sense. I mean, we all have city lots. It is significantly small lots, mm-hmm. but, but being in a old train community, all of our houses used to be multi-unit. So there's all these houses throughout the city that are large that either are or used to be multi-unit for the people who came off the trains on a regular basis. So what they did is they said, well, we don't want to have this big house, that big house, then a tiny house, then a big house. It will look really silly. We want 
a minimum square footage. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did for new builds on houses, which I have some understanding of. I get it. If you're in the city, you have limited space. You want to you want to keep the property tax level high enough to be able to maintain the city. And you don't want it to look grossly out of whack. But we did the same thing with apartments. All the apartments above the retail buildings. And by the way, I don't necessarily fit with your mindset because I think densifying and putting residential in with your commercial is how your commercial survives and you reduce sprawl. But even the apartments, we had rules that they kept, they had to be at least six or 700 square feet, which means we had all this open space in the top of the buildings that no one would develop because it was under that square footage. And we found it while going through zoning, as you know, I'm part of the planning commission. So we go mm-hmm. through these things now that we're finding out that tattoo parlors are labeled under sex trade and all these other rules that we haven't changed since the 20s. We're kind of going through them all. And that was one of them. Like, if we're going to revisit this, let's revisit it. And I pushed to get a zero square footage minimum because I believe that too small is the one that doesn't get rented. I don't believe there is a too small if someone was willing to rent it. And the more we have, the the more we've densified the city. The city and I went back and forth or some of the planning commission members and we I think we settled at 300 square feet. And then each additional bedroom would be 100 more in requirement. But at least it opens up the tops of those buildings for the owners to develop them if they want to. So I need to I need to go back and, and kind of clarify my intention with something I said, and then I need to give my insight on something else. Um, when I said no residents in the city, I, what I was in my head envisioning where I'm like usually the main two roads, like Main Street and then whatever the main, the secondary main road is, it you know crosses it. Uh, those are meant for commerce. Now, in terms of city limits, like where you live, which is you know out in the outskirts of the city, yeah, it makes sense to have housing. I'm talking about like like the town I live in, really like right downtown. It's like gas station, church, house, 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 businesses. And it's it, it very much limits the ability for new businesses to come into the community because they don't really have a whole lot of buildings to choose from. Unless they want to buy a house, demo it, and build something from the ground up or convert the house into their business. So that, there's that. And the other thing I was thinking about is and I'm not I'm not overly familiar with Durant's history. I don't know a lot of it, but I'm familiar with Owasso and I'm familiar with Montrose. And in both of those places, the really big, tall buildings, like where they have these huge apartments, used to be businesses themselves when the when the buildings were first built a lot of them had like you guys said furniture stores upstairs or banks were upstairs or stuff like that and so when the times were changing and the businesses were leaving those upper floor spaces when they passed legislation for apartments i i understand putting a limit on the size but i don't agree with it there is a I'm trying to remember which building it's over i want to say it's like the i think it's the main building in washington nawaso but the buildings the building itself is huge like the one that's right on the corner it's where funny pages comic shop used to be and stuff like that and it's it's huge and the entire upstairs of this building because the buildings on the bottom has been broken like sub built with several shops upstairs is one huge apartment like it is it is well bigger than it's probably two of my house like the, the living room alone is the size of my home like it's huge and it they rent it for like 600 bucks a month because no one wants to live there mm-hmm. it, it's I a friend of mine when I when I lived in Corona rather than I helped her move in and I was astonished by it. I got up there and it was like something you'd see in a, like a New York loft, like in a in a movie, like when you were a kid. You're just like, whoa, 
<laughs> everything was everything was intense except for the bathroom. The bathroom was very, 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 very bad. But the rest of it, the rest, because there was there was the apartment, then there was an attic, the top floor, and the top floor used to be a church back in like the early 1800s or wherever the building was built. And so like the top floor of this building has got this like 25 foot stained, tall stained glass window that faces inside of the other buildings. And so you don't even know it's there unless you're standing in the attic. It's <laughs> it's it's tremendous. It, it, the the original. So at one point there used to be a bank at the top floor too. So the original vault door from the early 1800s is still built into the wall. Like it's a really cool space, mm-hmm. but it just, no one lives in those places. No one wants to rent them. And I imagine you probably have buildings that were similar, like the end Durand. I mean, you got a lot of big old buildings there. Right. And that's what we want is people to renovate the tops of those buildings and create housing. You know, one of the things about Durand is we don't have enough housing. We don't have multi-unit housing or not nearly enough multi-unit housing. There's a subdivision going in on the south side. But they, they're putting up their first houses, and the price of those first houses is a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. We need housing at all levels. I would love to see efficiencies because I got to tell you, high schoolers just going into college or just starting in the workforce, these, these are people who don't want a thousand square foot house. They don't want a, a thousand square foot apartment. They want to spend as little as possible and still have a place to call theirs. That's well, not lo- really what they want. It's what can they afford? What's what's even available to them at their price range? Well, and that, uh, yeah, both. Yeah, it's, I mean, seniors could could have small housing like that and be perfectly content with that option. So, and that was where my argument came in with with the planning commission was: listen, the the minimum size is what people are willing to rent, not I mean, because in a lot of cities, in Japan, in New York, you know, there's a lot of places where 200 square feet, 250 square feet is not, that, that's a good size. It's all in efficiency, all one room. Mm-hmm. And it's not uncommon just because we're used to being everything going big. We're used to having the largest of everything doesn't mean that there isn't people out there willing to spend a little less to have less space. Well, I I truly believe that our consumer culture has done a great part in that where they've kind of bamboozled people into into purchasing space. They don't necessarily need to fill it with stuff. Like I'm sitting in a room right now and as you know, if if my wife and I, when we move, all this stuff around me is going. I might keep a couple small things here and there enough to put inside a small case, but I've no reason to really have all this stuff other than nostalgia the fact that i like it so it's all going to be liquidated mm-hmm. oh yeah the the moment the kids are out of the house jamie and i will be doing the same in some cases we're already doing it because homes collect clutter and we're trying to reduce that clutter because to me clutter equals anxiety <laughs> And I just feels like the walls are closing in no matter how big of a space you have if there's stuff everywhere. And she likes that clean look with less stuff around too. So we're starting to just get rid of things. I just don't like, I don't like a lot of furniture if it doesn't get used. It's the best way I can put it. Because furniture holds stuff. Now, obviously couches hold people. But if you have an entertainment center, okay, so it's got a TV on it. That's great. And then depending on, you know, what you have for technology, it might have a Lurie player. It might have knickknacks. You might have a shelf that has a four foot satellite rocket on it it just listen i got godzilla <laughs> upon godzilla behind me my point is is that we're all gonna have things that we probably don't need but we like and there's nothing wrong with that it's just that like in my home when you have a piece of furniture we cover it with crap like we just do we have tons of stuff uh, when we move out of this house i'm not taking hardly anything with me i'm getting rid of all my furniture i'm starting over and i'm i'm doing everything as minimal as possible or as minimal as i'm allowed to do right well and that's the other thing is when you have a family there's only so 
far you can go sometimes. There are certain things, and I'm going to say certain things Jamie wouldn't allow, but let's face it, she's she could easily vagabond her way across the country in her camper and be perfectly happy. It's me. It's me. There's <laughs> certain mm-hmm. things I don't I I just couldn't do. So that is part of that understanding. That's why we want to do get something to kind of quote unquote practice and be able to try and see what we like and don't like because the camper isn't quite it. Like we had talked about if we retired in Hawaii, coming back to the mainland in the summer, that was good. That was pretty much going to just require a motor home to be able mm. to go from place to place to place. But getting used to what a tiny house is, we can't do that in our house. Our house is huge. That's why I wanted to look into these, start, start working towards, and I'm notorious for trying to get Duran to try new things. So mm-hmm. I want it to be something that they see, something that they go, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, it's a whole nother one of those. I saw it on TV and here it is in our town but i haven't figured out how to do it yet not effectively or affordably it's it's a but it's more so a, you want you need to do it to show the town that it's not big and scary because in fact if anything it's the opposite of big and scary but you know people don't really like new things in that town so you have to kind of show them that the dog won't bite and they yeah, there, was, there was a piece of property that that is right across the street from the smokehouse restaurant that was mm-hmm. a strip it was just a strip of land and I was thinking, how cool would it be to put it by that strip of land, put one small one there, get it being used on a regular basis, use that income to do another one, and just have a little strip of these little tiny houses that people can lease or rent from me in that space. It wouldn't look awkward. It'd be right across from the festival. It's just around the corner from the Amtrak station, mm-hmm. and it would be right in the middle of town, kind of, so everybody could see it. If I had the finances to put one there, I would still have to fight the battle because it would be illegal to do what I wanted to do. Well- I mean, yeah, and I think you you may not know it, but there'd be a lot of battles. People would throw fits about it. You'd have, you know, certain folks complaining about you bringing it. I guarantee it, but he wants to be a slumlord. He's going to bring in all the crime. <laughs> Somehow it's going to go back to people stealing apples again. It's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, well... I, I guess, if anything, I've gotten accustomed to, to complaints. But those are the kinds of things. I was just... I wanted to have this episode because it was one of those things that kind of shocked me because in a lot of states, tiny houses are a thing. California, Oregon, Mm -hmm. Texas, North Carolina, Florida, that's the top five houses, tiny house areas or states that Mm -hmm. have tiny houses. It's, I mean, Oregon and North Carolina. These are places that I don't think are grossly different than Michigan. And State-wise, we're actually pretty accommodating to tiny house living. It's just that when you go to do it, you run into so many roadblocks. I, I think that maybe you're just phrasing it wrong. Maybe you should just call them hunting cabins, and I think you'd get a lot more openness to it. <laughs> right. Well, no one's going to allow me to put a hunting cabin downtown. Bet you if you call it a hunting cabin, they might. Right, right. I understand that. And... I also even understand the concept that I would want it to look like the other houses. I wouldn't want to bring in containers and do some of those container house things because it would just be too modern of a look in the middle of a small town is just not going to fly. I get all that stuff, but it should be way more. It should be easier. It should be more cost effective than what it is. And I hope that that changes. Well, I hope it changes too because I do think it's a little outlandish, and I, I think that maybe maybe Jamie should just start them. She should start building them and selling them. She could cut the cost in half. Well, or 
Her brother does sell trailers. Okay, back to motorhomes and campers again, Michael. We're, <laughs> we're calling them tiny homes. <laughs> well, in case anybody wonders, I'm not a fan of the mobile tiny home because I don't. If, if if you watch those shows, they're like, okay, we built this wonderful thing. It's in their budget, but then they take a an eighty thousand dollar truck and move it because they can't. It's so heavy. It is. It is a. It is a house, not a camper. So they have to have a thirty five hundred to drag that thing around. That is also not that cost effective when you're when the, the vehicle to move your home to places cost more than the home fuel efficiency and all these other things and plus i always think of the physics of it all and it it's doing this every time you move it you now the house loses integrity each time plus i really want to get a hold of the people who make those in those shows because where are they getting their water where are they getting their septic <laughs> Because they always go, well, we have a composting toilet. That's great. But you also have a shower. Like that water has to go somewhere and you had to get water from somewhere. So I don't know if people are moving to land that they always show it on this nice piece of land. Did they have a well put in? Did they have a septic put in? Those kinds of things. But no, it's just things that pop into my head as I'm watching this. You know, it's just more cost, more more issues with the concept. Oh, there's that's the thing is with that, with anything in life anything at all when you start thinking about it deeper you're going to find that the deeper you think the deeper it goes and there's more complexity than anything and everything so right when you when you look at life it's not going to be as easy as you want to be or apparently cheap as you want to be although i do think the prices are grossly inflated well if anybody out there is listening and you have figured it out send it to us i would love to see either a what you've done Mm -hmm. yourself or B, if you're one of those manufacturers, you're one of those companies and you're going, it is not nearly that expensive. Send it to me. I'd like to see it because everything I'm seeing around us is no different than just buying a house when you're said and done. So I would love to see what I'm missing because I am obviously missing something. So that's all we had for this week. I want to thank everybody for listening, taking a little time out of your day and sharing it with Nick and I. If you like this episode, share it with a friend or on social media. That's how we get seen. It's pretty much one of the only ways. If you want to help realistic sustainability, click a like, click a follow, or just leave us that five-star review I'm constantly begging for because, you know, it's great for my personal self-worth. I like to read them. It gets me all warm and fuzzy on days I'm pouty. And last, if you think that realistic sustainability is one of those shows that brings value to your life and you want to help us financially, just go to greeningyourlife.org forward slash podcast. There's buttons there to be able to either A, do an independent single donation, or you can be someone who kind of sustains us in the long term and does a monthly for as low as 99 cents. We greatly appreciate any support that you give us, no matter how you do it. And remember, we we get together each week just to get a little bit better. Little bit, little bit, big bit. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Mike. And I'm the heartthrob neck. He is. And we will see you next week. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Learning should always be fun. It's proven. When you make it fun, kids will remember. Here at Stepnetics, we believe in teaching kids about science, technology, engineering, and math by building projects. These students are building robots, rockets, electrical circuits, cars, and much more. STEM surrounds us, and the biggest companies in the world are tech companies. Let us help you support your little scholars and prepare them for the future. For more information, visit us at stemnetics.org.